Welcome to The Mother-Daughter Journey, a podcast for women working through the tenuous transition of a maturing mother-daughter relationship. I'm Abigail. And I'm Kelly. We know firsthand that the mother-daughter relationship is one of the most fabulous, yet frustrating, relationships you are ever going to have. Even so, we're best friends, business partners, and of course, mother and daughter. So join us as we share our ongoing journey and the lessons we've learned along the way. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the mother-daughter journey. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. In today's episode, I know last week we told you we were going to talk about forgiveness. We lied. Just a little. We'll get there. But we actually decided, because you know, life happens, that today's subject will be grief and how that plays a role in the mother-daughter relationship. And so... In true Abigail fashion. (laughs) Exactly. In true Abigail fashion, we are going to start off with just a little definition, which I know when I say the word grief, people know what that is. But just to define it, it's deep sorrow or emotional suffering and a natural response to loss. And I think that last part is really where we want to go with this. Yes, yes. Because often when you say grief about somebody has passed away. Right. We, we think of death, which. Yes, 100%. <laughs> yes, 100%. But it's more than that. It's your natural response to loss in general. And so it actually plays a big role in many different aspects of your life. Yeah. And I actually think part of the reason that this is important is because there's kind of a shame game around grief. Oh, that's fun. Shame game. That happens because there's like a almost a comparing that goes on. Well, my grief is because I've just lost my husband of 50 years. But my grief is that I lost my husband. My grief is that I lost my job. Well, that's not as like that grief isn't as real. Right. There's the shame game of, well, you you should be able to get over that quicker. And I'm using the word should on purpose here. On purpose, right. You should be able to recover from that quicker because it's not better by now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, people say that with death grief as well. There is a shame game, like I said, associated Mm -hmm. with grief. But we're right now talking about the comparison of levels of grief. Right. Right. I know for me, I'm going to go back to our origin story. For a long time, I felt guilty or shame for the grief that I was experiencing when Abigail had the plan and when my life shifted because so many parents that I was interacting with at that time with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and all of these other places had actually lost their children Mm -hmm. to suicide. And that was even said to me by family at one point, like, she's here, get over it. You shouldn't be feeling those things. Think about the people who lost their daughter or their son, right? And so there's this shame game of I should be able to move on because, well... Other people have it worse. Other people have it worse. And so Mm -hmm. your feelings are not as valuable or or valid. Valid, right. Which is a huge piece of what we talk about in general, right? right? Is everybody's emotions are valid in whatever fashion they show up in however they present themselves and whatever depth. Right. And grief so is grief all, is the same thing. Yeah, and it's something that we don't talk about. We know. We don't talk about grief in that fashion of exactly what you just said it is. It's suffering and sorrow in relation to loss. Right. So, 
I know you mentioned a couple little things besides the loss of a dear friend or a loved one that could initiate or instill grief in you. Losing a job. A breakup. A breakup or a pet. Having a friend or a loved one move away or you moving away to a new place and leaving behind your home. The transitioning relationship of a maturing mother-daughter relationship. There it is. Right? I mean, and that's what we're all here for. Let's be honest. All along the way, the mom in this relationship is suffering loss. Right out of the gates, as the child grows and they start transitioning into building their own life and making their own decisions and you know building mm-hmm. their network around them, whether we want to recognize it as grief or loss that we're feeling because we don't want to label it because to label it as grief is, oh, well, you're being dramatic. Right. 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 Because you're only allowed to feel grief if somebody you love has passed away very recently. But this is apparently right. But this is what (laughs) is happening as our child is growing and spreading their wings and we're teaching them to be independent and solve their own problems. All the things that are supposed to happen. Mm hmm. But just because they are supposed to happen doesn't mean they come without emotion or feeling or a sense of loss. Right. And I even dare to say if these things did come to pass without that sense of loss, without that grief, I'm a little concerned. I mean, maybe. <laughs> okay. Because it's, it is natural it is for us natural. to feel that way. It is natural to feel that way. And... On the other side of this spectrum, when we're talking about the relationship, the daughter is also going through grief. As we are trying to learn how to let go, Mm -hmm. there's a huge part of that is still holding on. And we've talked about those words that we use or the conversations that we have. Like this transition isn't easy. There's always emotions, hurt, like it's just going to happen. Right, definitely. Right? And so... The daughter is grieving that loss of the sun rises and sets on me. Yes. That's right. Mm -hmm. I'm everything to Mm -hmm. my parents. And now I'm just I'm disappointing them because I'm just trying to live my life. I'm grieving the way that I perceived they always looked at me. Well, it's not just that. So I think it's also I like that you brought up the perception. I know in past episodes, we've talked about a lot of what you have to let go of as a parent is that perception or that expectation you had for your child, right? So it goes, it even goes back to that. Like as soon as you have that child in your womb and you start imagining all of these things, like you said way back, K-Dog, when those things don't come to fruition because they were your plan, they were your plan and not your daughter's plan necessarily, you as the parent have to almost grieve the loss of the child you envisioned. To embrace the child that you have. To embrace the child that you have. And on the other side of that, the child, it's natural when we're young, when we're born, to think the sun also rises and sets on our mothers, right? We want to be just like them. Everything they do, we look up to. I mean... We assume that they have it all, like they know what's going we, on. Right, They're we the assume ones, right? they have it all together. They, they know their shit. And then we have to accept as we're growing and learning more about our mothers as individuals and human beings, we need to grieve the loss of the pedestal we have. The pedestal, right. Because, exactly. Because they're just humans. Because they're just humans. And they're not always going to react in the way that 
feels comfy. Right. right. So, so as this relationship matures, both sides have to work through the loss of the perception they had of who their mother or daughter is. Right. And so let's touch on the five stages of grief, right? The first one is denial. Yes. And then we move into anger and then bargaining, then depression, and then acceptance. Sounds fun, doesn't it, guys? Really great. Really, really (laughs) great. But it's true, right? We talk about this whole denial thing, and I'm just going to use our story because that's what we do. We use our story. On my side, I had this picture in my head of what my family would be like. And it was based on like the generational picture that I was raised in. Like, this is what a family looks like. This Mm -hmm. is what a good family looks like. This is what a not good family looks like. There was these labels. You had the, I mean, not actual white picket fence, but you were raised with the white picket fence, go to church on Sunday, be good, presentable. This is what you do. Family Friday evenings. Like, this is what a family does. So you were raised with that little perfect, I'm saying in air quotes, image of what a family should look like. Yes. Right? So you had that ideal. It was a part of, it was kind of a part of you. Because if we're being honest, who we are is made up of our beliefs and our experiences, right? And all of that. So this was a belief that you had about what family should look like. Yes. And then I had my own family. Mm -hmm. And I struggled with, this is what my parents say And my religion, so to speak, says a family looks like. Mm -hmm. This is how a family should be. This is how the children should act. This is how you should respond. I struggled with that picture in my head that was such a strong belief. It was like defined my self-worth to be able to produce that. And I'm sure you're not the only one. (laughs) I'm sure. And what I had in my hand was something very different. I had things that I was dealing with, you know, that marital problems, depression of my own, Mm -hmm. which was never validated, really. It was just me being dramatic or me being overly emotional or... You were never even allowed to look at it. I was never allowed to look at it. And and then, you know, just the dynamic of you and your sister fighting a lot. Mm -hmm. Like there was that whole, they're very different girls, they're very different women. And we were raising them to be this like that same mentality, like there is no individuality. You grow up, you go to college, you make money, you have kids, you go to church on Sundays, you talk nice, right? except for when you're in your home, and then you judge. <laughs> well, it was kind of, that, I mean, yeah, that is exactly... Right? It's kind, of, yeah. it's kind of this model that I had in my head, and I was rejecting it on a very base level, but which feeling is, really ashamed because I was. Which was partially feeding your depression. Correct. So there was this denial that I was going through. Like, no, this isn't how my family is. My family's not that bad family. Mm-hmm. We need to keep up this presentation, right? right? I'm going to deny that we have these underlying things happening. I'm going to deny that I'm not really sure. Like, church isn't really feeling like a good place for me with my kids. It's not feeling accepting. Um, but I'm going to deny it because this is what it's supposed to be. So I'm just right. going to keep pushing. Right. Right. The same thing with school. You're supposed to get good grades. You're supposed to go to college. You're supposed to take AP courses. Mm-hmm. My kids, my younger daughter doesn't want to do that. Like this is, this is, oh, actually neither one of them did. 
I was going to say, neither of us really right. wanted to do that. I mean, I steered them based on what my you, beliefs. What you what thought I, was best for what us. What I thought was best for them. What mm-hmm. That picture that I had that I couldn't let go, that I was denying letting go of. Mm-hmm. My older daughter is a lawyer, but had I encouraged her back in the day in the way of her passions, she'd be somewhere in a horse barn Probably. walking through poo. I was like mucking stalls. Right and- now, right? I mean, that's an alternate reality. Had I been able to not deny the picture that was unfolding in front of me right but accept it right i mean you got there eventually that's part oh. it's right five stages there's no right? shame here right? right i'm not i'm not shaming myself i'm just mm-hmm. elaborating on the on the denial on the denial right or the shifting that it did mm-hmm. for the two of you because you also adopted that well this is who i'm supposed to be I'm right. supposed to be as productive as possible. I'm supposed to make as much money as I possibly can, like because this is what people do. Which led to my denial. So I also, I think my grief when this all happened, I also grieved the person I thought I was supposed to be. The person you wanted me to be and my family wanted me to be, right? Based on those beliefs you just talked about. Yes. And so we kind of sort of went through the same denial phase, but... On two separate playing fields, right? Yours was in regards to the family you were cultivating. And mine was more just in regards to me, like who, individual. And so denial plays a huge role. And everybody's grief walk, just like everybody's relationship, is a snowflake. There is no right or wrong way to do it. No. You have to experience it and figure out how you're going to walk alongside it. Because grief is a part of our lives. Yes. I, I mean, I'm glad you said that. Because as we're talking about the, you know, the flow of grief and the five stages, even that can kind of sound like, oh, there's a right way to grieve. First and you there's go an through end denial, to it. And there's, there's no end to it. Right. It's a cycle. It's a, not even a cycle. It's a roller coaster. You might jump from denial to bargaining, then back up to anger, then back down to bargaining. Like it's unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it, a continuous cycle to grow. Right. So I, I'm going to tie this back, and this may feel like I'm jumping. But we're always jumping. We're always jumping. It's very much like learning how to walk with mental illness. Yeah. Okay. I actually wrote a chapter in a book called Shining a Light on Grief that is coming out any day now. But I wrote about any our mental now. illness walk. I, I wrote about the grief that we're talking about right now, the grief of the family, the grief of learning that your daughter isn't that picture that you had in your mind, and she right. shouldn't have been. Like that picture isn't mine to form, right? I shouldn't have a picture. I should just be embracing who she is as a person and and supporting that. Mental illness, depression, anxiety, suicide, none of these things were in my picture. Nope. And in my chapter, I talk about the first five years of that walk from the moment that we learned of the plan. I spent in denial. I spent, we'll fix this. We'll fix the mental illness. Yes. We will... <laughs> we will Get our family back on track to be that go to church. We'll put the Band-Aid on it and everything will be fine. Right. And so I spent five years in denial. And in that five years, things were really messy and hairy and scary. And let's see if we can do any more rhymes. Hairy, scary, wary, (laughs) teary. Nope, that doesn't rhyme. No. But anyway, my point is that denial stage of of grief because that's what it was mm-hmm. while we're in denial of what is we're wishing for what was or what we or what pictured can't be. or what can't be we are denying what is and not able to appreciate 
what we have right in front of us. And so we learning how to walk with grief and live with coexist with grief is very much on par for learning how to walk and coexist with mental illness. Absolutely. You need to learn the triggers and and honor them. And it's the same thing with your grief. You need to not, I shouldn't say need, because again, we all go through it in our own way in our own time frame. But honor the process. It's honor the process. It's yeah. there. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. There's no need to feel shame about it. The feeling of denial is not something to beat yourself up about. The, oh, I'll go to the death side. So-and-so died three years ago. I should be over this by now. No. Right? Or in my case, that happened 10 years ago or five years ago or three years ago. Like, you should be over it. You should just be moving on. Life should just continue. No, because it just becomes a part of you. You move with it. Exactly. I also want to, we are totally jumping around with this subject, but something else that you just said, K-Dog, about how walking with grief is very, it's a very similar path to learning how to walk with mental illness. And that is our story. But it's also, I mean, physical illness too. Yes. Right? If you're born with a physical illness, I mean, it could be anything, right? To From an allergy to autism. Right. Right? And and beyond. Anything that you can think about, right? There's a million ailments. I mean, maybe I'm being overly, you know, stating it. But there's, we're all dealing with something. Right. Right? And so what made me think of this was, well, we started talking about the picture you had of your family and yes. who your daughter was going to be, right? And so our walk was mental was illness. Was mental illness, right? Like mental illness is what led us on this talk about grief. Right. What I mean, your brought walk, us to this grief. Your walk could be a child with epilepsy, a child with cancer. It could be a mom that gets ill. It could be like any of those things that disrupt your picture. Exactly. Any of those things, yeah, that disrupt your picture can lead to the start of grief because you have to grieve what is not. So. We're just like nodding. Yeah, yes. we're both like, okay, yes. yes. I'm glad we said that. Okay. So, but <laughs> that in mind, shall we move on to the next stage? We should, which is anger. Anger. Everybody's favorite emotion. I mean, it's an emotion. It's an emotion. That's all it is. And to label it as good or bad Basically, you are deciding what this emotion is before you even feel it. Mm. Most people, we label it as bad. Well. We label it as an unwanted feeling. Well, I am going to challenge that. Okay. Because I would say that anger is an unwanted feeling, just as unwanted as grief is. But that doesn't make it any less natural or anything that we need to be ashamed about or anything that we should not be feeling. Okay. I will take back the unwanted feeling and... Because it is. It's a lower vibration. It's a lower frequency emotion, just like sadness and yes. grief. Right? But so, it's also... But it doesn't need to be judged. It's not something well, that should yes, be judged. Well, yes. It shouldn't be... Well, it shouldn't be labeled, shouldn't I guess. It shouldn't be labeled. Like, okay, it doesn't yeah. need to be labeled as... Yes, it's unwanted, but that doesn't make it bad. It serves its purpose. It does serve its purpose. Right? Absolutely. If we were never angry, we would not be able to draw boundaries. Right? right? Anger and resentment is a big part of how we form our boundaries. Like, you know what? I don't like the way I'm being treated. I don't like, mm-hmm. like, no. Or that I don't like the way somebody else is being treated. Right. It has a lot to do with forming our moral code and who we are as individuals. And like you said, our boundaries, what we do and don't accept. Right. So anger has its place. 
just like all the emotions. And we tend to label it as bad or something that we should be ashamed of when we feel it. And really the thing that triggers shame is the reaction to anger, the feeling, not the feeling itself. You mean the way that we react when we feel it. The way we express it. The way that we express it, right. Which is usually, not usually, in my experience, more often than not, the way that we've been taught to express anger is toxic. Yes, which is why it gets labeled as bad. Yes. Which is why it's unwanted, because we're Mm -hmm. viewing it as something that is toxic or bad or shameful. Exactly. And that's really just because we don't know how to process it and own it. And sit with it. And sit with it. Because we don't like the lower vibrational, uncomfortable feelings. We label them as bad and judge ourselves for having them instead of just experiencing them. Or we point fingers outward to things that made us feel this way correct and there are things that trigger you to feel that way right but that doesn't mean that you can just point the finger right like Mm -hmm. it's about okay this triggers me to feel this way so how am I going to remove that from my life or how am I going to change the way that I process that right it's still a you game right okay so now that we've dived into like what anger is let's talk about it's spot in this grief process right so you've gone through the denial you're like there's no way that this can be real no absolute way and then it starts to sink in that holy crap this is real right and you don't want it to be real right and so you're angry yes because what's happening just like the anger is unwanted what's happening is unwanted and you're trying to find somebody or something to blame right and that's That's all i'm gonna say right right. and that's why we're angry yes and that's all okay be angry yes it's okay to be angry it's okay to be angry you don't want to live there don't live there don't like don't pull in and park your car in that lot do your best not to put it onto other people but be angry if that's the emotion you need to feel feel it right without shame without remorse without What's the other word I'm looking for? Without having to justify it to anybody else, feel it. Yes. Now, there's a fine line, like she said. Mm -hmm. It's your anger. Yes. And so, and this is so hard. I mean, we still struggle with this. We did probably two hours ago, struggled with this. I was like, yeah, we we just struggled with this, not even two hours ago, like 30 minutes ago. Right. But we've come to a spot where we can experience this anger And not let it bleed into making somebody else feel bad. We can express it Mm -hmm. because we've learned how to communicate our feelings. Not easy. But but we can express it. Nor is it a perfect process every time. But we can respect that the feeling is there. We can own that, yes, this is a feeling I'm having. It's justified anger in some cases. Or it's something that I'm looking at from the past that isn't actually in this moment. We've talked about this in other episodes. Right. But the bottom line here for the sake of this conversation is remove the label. Anger isn't bad. It Mm -hmm. just is. Yep. And just is. If you allow yourself to feel the anger and process the anger, it goes away quicker. Very true. The more it's like with anything, the more you resist, the more (laughs) the more it wants to. Right. I just went to Star Trek. Resistance is futile. Resistance. If you know, you know. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so then now we'll go on to the next stage, which is bargaining. Stage number three. Which, I mean, that is what happens, right? It's because it's something that's unwanted. So we get angry about it. And now we've kind of letting go of the anger and we're going to like just bargain. And in the case of our relationship, 
in the mother-daughter relationship and what Abigail and I experienced. I mean, I undermined her confidence with my bargaining for a lot of years. I will just take away her stress. I'll make sure she doesn't experience stress. Mm-hmm. I will let her live here for as long as she wants. I will develop a business around her so she doesn't have to go work out, you know, right. in the nine to five. I will do everything I can. I will not allow my mother to talk to her the way that she would talk to me because I never felt good about myself. And there's no way I wanted you not to feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. So there was like I was interacting and, and like hovering and trying to control the narrative with my bargaining. Right. And what you were bargaining basically was... I just wanted you to stay here. Didn't matter how, didn't matter what kind of life you had to live, as long as you lived it. Well, and you said it early on, you were interfering with my growth and confidence, right? So you were bargaining my potential to grow. And I also was letting you, right? I was, this was my bargaining as well. Again, we're not talking shame here. We're just talking what was. What was. We were both bargaining my ability to grow beyond the space that I was in, the space that we were in, to feel like I was safe. Yes. I would bargain anything for, for that safety feeling. Like right. th- there's not going to be any physical harm come to her. Right. So this wasn't, we hadn't reached true acceptance of the life that we were both leading with our mental illness. Right. Illnesses, right? And, and all of that, when you don't accept, it just leads to we, depression. Right. We had reached minor acceptance meaning okay I recognize that this is a reality but I still don't accept it and I want to trade it for something else right and then we realized after we moved out of bargaining that still wasn't working that we can't (laughs) trade it for something else we just can't you can't this is what it is Mm -hmm. so it's hopeless that I I love that you said that because that is exactly how it felt when we reached the depression stage it did it felt like okay this is what our life is going to be like we're always going to live this way and it sounds weird to say you know you've reached the depression stage when what you are grieving is the fact that you have depression is the fact that you have depression right but that's (laughs) what it is when we're talking about the grief process because it it was less about I mean that is right it was was less about the mental illness and and it was more about the hopelessness yes which is like what the hopelessness of this process yes so there you know the depression of grief I guess we can redefine it as feeling hopeless to change your situation right right you you realize I can't get that person back they've passed I can't get that job back. It's gone. There's nothing I can do to change the situation. I'm not going to get my boyfriend back. He's gone, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I can't change the situation. I'm still not happy about it. I can't accept it. And so now I'm just living in this place of depression, a.k.a. hopelessness. Sadness. Sadness. It's it's another low-frequency emotion. Emotion, right. That just like with the anger, guys. You got to feel it. You got to feel it. Yes. We can't, like you said, we can't live in it forever. But we do need to live in it for a little bit. You need to feel that, like, okay, this is what our life is, and I still don't like it. Right. But I'm not angry about it because, there's, and I can't bargain an, you, it away. And you can't bargain it away. You Like, you've tried all this. You tried being angry and pointing fingers. That didn't do anything. You didn't feel better. You tried bargaining and trading it for something else. That didn't work. You still don't feel better. And so now we're just fucking sad sorry guys (laughs) we're just really effing sad right and there you have it and yeah and so again it's your process there's no shame involved Mm -hmm. but it's a process Mm -hmm. that we need to walk with and as abigail said towards the beginning 
it's going to shift like up and you're going to it's a roller coaster you're going to be up in anger and then you're going to swoop down into bargaining right. you know curve into depression and oh I might go back up to anger for a little bit and it's a walk it's a walk that doesn't go away and once you finally get to the acceptance phase there's no saying that that means it's done right oh I'm done with grief let me just put that on the shelf wipe now. my hands off and we're like brush it off right like it's over it's it's a cycle Right. But once you hit the acceptance phase, I've now accepted that this is what life is. Mm -hmm. How can I move forward and find joy? Yes. And stop feeling some of those higher vibrational emotions. Yes. In my situation. And for us, it was accepting it. It was learning how to communicate. It was recognizing all the things that we talk about, the perceptions, the experiences, the generational trauma, the societal input Mm -hmm. the grief the codependency it was like recognizing it all and systematically just like check working through it giving ourselves permission to feel the feelings that came with each one of these things so that we could learn how to coexist with it and find joy and Mm -hmm. spread light because that's that's who we are we want to figure out a way to be a positive light in the world which means that right. we needed to go through these phases of grief to get to this point where we're sitting here on this podcast. And it also means that we'll be going through grief again in the future. Absolutely. Because that's one, how we grow. Part of how we grow is, right? It's part of the human experience. So yes. it's part of how we grow as humans. Two, it, it's part of how we grow in humans. Part, part of how we grow, right? And then it's also part of how we become more compassionate. Right. I'll agree with that. Right. Really, at the end of the day, though, it's about not shaming ourselves. It's about not shaming each other. Like the shame game that's around grief. Let's recognize grief for what it is. Mm-hmm. It is suffering and pain. 100% as a, natural. As a result, yes, the natural reaction to loss. The natural human reaction to loss. Right. We all try to outrun it. We want to get over it. Let's move on to this next phase and it's just a natural reaction to loss. And life has loss. Yeah. Unfortunately, it it does. There's no avoiding it, right? And grief is intertwined into all aspects and stages of life. It's not just the loss of a loved one. No. And so I guess with that in mind, too, to kind of tie it back to how we started this conversation, your grief is valid no matter why, when, where, how, what stage, how, how long, long it's been. And... Do not, please, please do not compare your grief to anybody else's because our favorite saying, every relationship is a snowflake because every individual is a snowflake. Which means your process with grief is your own. Is your own. Exactly. It's, I guess, the only thing I will add to that. There's no right or wrong way. There's, yes, there's no right or wrong way. And like all things that we talk about, it's a self game. It's a you Mm -hmm. thing. It's your work to do. And also with that being said, with the the self game, if somebody is bothered or triggered by your grief process in the sense that, and not like when we talked about the anger and depression, right? Not putting that on somebody. So I don't mean if, you know, you're angry and you're yelling at somebody. Right. And then they get triggered and upset like that. So well, naturally they would. They naturally they would. But if somebody's telling you, oh, you shouldn't be sad about that anymore, like that, like you said, like because that was, they're uncomfortable with their sadness. Because they're uncomfortable with it, 
not because you're putting it on them, but just because they want to fix it for themselves. Right. Because it's taking too long and they're not comfortable around the feeling and the That's emotion. That's a them problem. Right. Just just putting that out there that that is a them problem. And, in our opinion. In our opinion. And you grieve however long and how in whatever way you need to. Yes. Again, be safe. Be safe. Right. 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 Like, I mean, the, the things that we don't want to have to say. But still are going to say it. Right. But we're going to say it. But it is your process. It's your process. Don't let anyone else define it. Feel the feelings. Just don't park in the parking lot. Yeah. Yep. Because it's about learning how to walk with it. And because it doesn't go away. I think the last thing I want to say about grief is an analogy that a dear friend gave to us actually when Papa passed. I think it was right around the time that your dad, my grandpa passed. Oh, I love this story. Are you talking about the ball in the box? Yes. Okay. And what they said to us was grief is like you have inside of you, like you are, imagine you are a box. Right? And inside of the box that is you, there's grief, which is this big, big ball. And it spreads, it touches every side of the box. Because, because it's, it's so, so big. big. Right? So just existing, it's touching every side of the box. And so it's like and this it's, raw surface, right? If you have a scrape and, and it touches something, it, it hurts. It hurts. And it hurts all the time because it's always touching. Right. It's all, and the ball itself is moving, right? It's moving around, bouncing back and forth on the walls. So, And because it's so big, it touches all the time. It touches all the time. But as time goes on and as you go through the process, the ball gets smaller. It's still moving and bouncing on the walls, but it hits the walls left less often because it's getting smaller and smaller. And so that ball will never go away. There still will be in times of intense feelings that's triggered from that ball of Absolutely. grief. Absolutely. But it's going to be less and less often because the, sm- the ball has gotten smaller. And there will be times when that ball hits the side where it will trigger a happy thought or a nice yeah. memory or something that you can sit in that has a higher vibration because exactly. that ball is made up of love. Love and the thing that, that you lost. Right. Right. Because we're only grieving something we lost because we loved it. Correct. So, so there so, yeah, we have it. That's our stance it. on grief. So, so there you have it, folks. There you have it. Grief, grief. It plays a role in all of our lives and all sorts of different ways. In all of our relationships. In all of our relationships. No shame game. Sit in it, own it, feel it, accept it, accept it. Until next time. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for joining us on our journey today. If you liked what you heard and are looking for more, make sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast. You can also follow us on social media. See you next time.